welcome to the Grow My Salon Business podcast, where we focus on the business side of hairdressing. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and I'll be talking to thought leaders in the hairdressing industry, discussing insightful, provocative, and inspiring ideas that matter. So get ready to learn, get ready to be challenged, get ready to be inspired, and most importantly, get ready to grow your salon business. Hey everybody and welcome to the show today and thank you for joining us on today's podcast. I often have salon owners venting their opinions to me about this generation of employees and their work ethic or loyalty or level of commitment, etc. As an industry that is very youth-focused as far as employees goes, it's essential that salon owners who are typically older understand the needs and the motivations of young millennials and Gen Z employees today. Now, for those of you who are not sure what the difference is between a millennial and a Gen Z, according to a quick search on Google, millennials are born between 1981 and 1996. So they are in the 24 to 39-year-old age bracket at this point in time, whereas Gen Z are those born between 1997 and 2012. So they're currently between the ages of eight and 23 years of age. So in today's podcast, I'm interviewing two young hairdressers, Scarlett Denzel, a 20-year-old from Sydney, Australia, and Ariel Harris, a 29-year-old from San Diego, California. And we talk about what makes them tick, what are the most important things they look for in a career, how they learn best, what makes them leave a job, how they use social media, and where they see the future of our industry, and lots more. So without further ado, on with the show. So welcome to my guest today, Scarlett Denzel from Salon Kin in Sydney, Australia. So welcome to the show, Scarlett. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited. Well, we're really excited to have you on the show today. So um, I'm going to start off like I start off with everybody, uh, which is after I welcome people, is to to uh, ask them to introduce themselves and sort of give our listeners a sort of a two-minute uh, backstory on who is Scarlett Denzel. So over to you. You've got a couple of minutes. The floor is yours. Awesome. Um, so my name obviously is Scarlett Denzel. I'm 20 years old. I grew up in the country in Australia and moved to Sydney, New South Wales, four years ago. I started my apprenticeship at 16 and I've been with two different salons during that time. And I specialize in coloring, blondes, extensions in the salon. Okay, cool. So why did you get into hairdressing? Was it one of those things that you'd always wanted to do? Is it one of those backstories that ever since you were a little girl, you had a, you know, a thing about doing your Barbie's hair and you know, desperate to get into it? Or, or was it, was it something that you sort of fell into? Tell us a bit, of, a little bit about that journey. Yeah, I definitely think it was a bit of both. I've always had a bit of a thing for hair. Growing up, my auntie was a hairdresser. So I was always helping out in her salon as a kid and things like that. I definitely had a few phases where I wanted to be other things. Um, But I think the common denominator between all the things I ever wanted to be was they involved a lot of talking. I spent a lot of time talking and I feel like hairdressing is just the perfect outlet for that, meeting new people, having all these conversations. Right. So that's good. So I shouldn't be worried about you running out of things to say today. So no, I don't think that will happen. <laughs> okay. All right. So um, 
tell me, how is a hairdressing career perceived um, as a career choice today? So with your friends, with your, you know, school teachers at school, with, with um, you know, parents today, what, what would you say the general sort of perception was of a hairdressing career? I think with hairdressing career, there's this thing, and I'm sure a lot of hairdressers will agree with me when I say this, is that you often hear people say, oh, you're just a hairdresser, almost mm-hmm. as if it's not like a proper career. But I definitely think like in the past couple of years, we've progressed from being just a hairdresser to something a bit more a bit more specialist. Like people specialise in certain areas and I think people are beginning to appreciate a little bit more just exactly what it is that we do. Right. Okay. So so you left school um, four years ago. Did you you obviously didn't go to university, so you left secondary school when you were sixteen. Uh, yeah. straight into a got straight into a, a an apprenticeship in another salon. Yeah. Um, yeah. what made you leave? What made you leave one salon to go to another? I was at the salon I first started at. I was there for probably a year or so. Um, first starting there, it, I was super excited. You know, I was keen to learn anything, anyone that would give me a go, I was all up for it. And I definitely learned so much being there for the year I was there. Um, as I started to grow in my career, I kind of realized that I was quite quickly outgrowing the salon. The salon I started with was more um, a chain business. It was very heavily retail focused and the salon was kind of just something that came along with it. And I quickly learned that I often realized I was educating myself more than the people that were educating me. So that was when I kind of got, you know, a bit of a red flag that maybe it was time to go into something a little bit bigger. That was something that would educate me more, give me more opportunities. And yeah, that was when I found um, Salon Kid, which is where I'm at now. Right. Okay. So, so that's interesting. So you felt one year in that you were already outgrowing something. Um, And I'm not saying you're wrong. Uh, You know, one of the reasons I wanted to do these interviews was because a lot of salon owners will say things to me like, you know, oh, Anthony, staff are so unloyal these days, just as they're building up, they'll leave or, you know, um, that they have a different work ethic and all that sort of stuff. It, you know, so you've, this is only your second salon. What is it that makes someone um, change jobs? Like, like, what is it? Like, because because maybe today people are less loyal. Like, you're not so much your parents. Your parents are probably younger than me. But you know, oftentimes older generations will say that when they started a job, it was very much a job for life. Whereas today, people are more transient, and I'm not necessarily saying that's a bad thing. I suppose what I'm trying to get to is, like, um, what was it that made you leave? You know, what was it that made you think, okay, I've got everything I can out of this salon. I've only been here a year. It's time to move on. Um, And you've sort of answered the question, I suppose. So I, I think what I'm sort of trying to get to is, what is it that salon owners need to do to keep people, to make people more loyal and not to feel that, um, you know, they need to leave and, and the grass is greener somewhere else. Absolutely. A hundred percent agree with what you're saying with and With my parents and my in-laws, I know people that have been at the same job 10, 20 years, you know, so loyal. And I a hundred percent agree that our generation is 
a bit quicker to change jobs. But I think what that is, is we're very quick to realize that when something isn't servicing us or it's not enough for us, we're very quick to change and look for something that is going to be better for us. Is it always necessarily a good idea? No, but I just think that we don't have that fear of change. We're more than happy to change if we think something might be better than staying in a job we're unhappy with. For me, what was the biggest reason for me to leave? Personally, I felt like as I was growing, and I did grow, you know, that year I spent there, I learned so much and I, it was great. But I hit a point where when I looked at my future there, I couldn't see it growing beyond past what it already was. I didn't see growth in the salon. I didn't see what I saw, the people working there. I wanted to be more than that. And I didn't see the opportunity for that growth there. Okay. So so how important is that side of it, training and opportunity? And do you think that that is just you, that you're unique like that? Or do you think that that's something that's more reflective of your generation in general, that young people today are looking for training and they're looking for opportunity? Would you say that that is just Scarlet or that that is, you know, very reflective of your, your peers today? I think... Um, to be honest, with everything these days is quite open, right? You see everything on socials. You see what everyone's doing all the time. So I think there is that need to always keep up and want to be doing something new. You don't want to get stuck doing the same thing all the time. And I think education in a salon is so, so important. It's an industry that's always changing, always evolving, and you'll see it all over social media, you know. One week a hairdresser might be doing something, the next they're doing something can completely different they're always evolving and that's why I think education is so important otherwise you end up stuck doing the same thing over and over and of course if you're constantly repeating the same thing you're going to get bored yeah okay so you haven't mentioned money at all so that's not the thing that that motivates you to jump from one to another no definitely not when I was um swapping between my jobs going to my new job it, it wasn't even a question. It wasn't even a – it was a second thought, really. Once I'd already come on with my new employer, that was when I thought to ask. You know, it definitely wasn't the thing that made me choose one salon or another. It was a complete second thought. Yeah. So did, did your first salon, did it have a training program in place? Did they, did they do, like, appraisals and stuff like that to find out what your goals and ambitions were and how they could sort of – you know, accommodate those things or, or was, it, was that just not something that was on their agenda? No, it wasn't really a big thing, to be honest. Um, there was opportunity for training outside of the salon um, through bigger companies and things like that, but it was very rare and few between. There definitely was no plan moving forward. Um, and a lot of the time I actually found myself teaching the hairdressers I worked with new techniques that I had seen from social media and things like that. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. So, so what ambitions uh, do you have? For me, professionally? Yeah. professionally, I see myself in the industry of fashion shows, photo shoots, editorial work. That's what I, that's what I strive for to be, I guess. I love spending my days on the salon floor 
mingling with clients, but it's when I'm at photo shoots and shows and you see all the creative people work together to create something. That's what really sparks my joy and makes me go, this is why I do it. It makes me excited. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you, if you were a salon owner, how would you motivate a team? I think everyone has such different goals in a salon. Um, Yeah. I know obviously a lot of hairdressers being in the industry and I think that everyone has such different goals. Some people aspire to own their own salon. Some people aspire to have a huge clientele and be fully booked every day of the year. You know, everyone has such a different goal and I think it's really important to not treat your whole salon team as that, as a whole, because everyone is so different. I think you need to speak to your staff and understand what they individually want to achieve. And I think you need to work backwards from there. Yeah. Yeah. You've got a, a, a wise head on young, young shoulders. <laughs> yeah. How do you, um, you, you touched on social media a minute ago uh, and you said yeah. that you find yourself teaching other people in the salon, you know, senior people to you in your previous job. Um uh, things that you'd learnt on social media. H- how do you like to learn these days? Is it, is it from classes? Is it from, I mean, is social media where you get most of your education? Is it from going to a, you know, a recognised hairdressing school? I mean, wh- where does it come from? So definitely at my previous salon, not my salon now. The salon when I, at the moment, I'm so lucky to have such good education and such good role models to work with. They're amazing, but. What I found with my previous salon is out of a salon of five hairdressers, I was a first-year apprentice and the only one that had an Instagram to showcase the work I was doing, which was just a shock to me. These people were in there doing hair all day, every day, creating beautiful work, and none of it was being showcased, which was such a shock. Yeah. So I definitely think... We're so lucky to have social media as a tool and even you can go on and scroll for 10 minutes and I guarantee you, you'll scroll past three to 10 education videos of other hairdressers showing you tips and tricks. It's just, there's so much education out there and you don't even really have to go looking for it. Yeah. So how do you use social media yourself professionally? Professionally, I have my business page where I share things like befores and afters, photos of the work I'm doing to target my clientele, um, tutorials, things like that. It's very much targeted at clientele rather than the hairdressing industry. Is it your, When you say it's your professional page, is it linked to the salon's account or is it an independent entity? No, so it's my own page. However, it is affiliated with the salon. So my username is scarletrose.salonkin. So that way, when someone goes to search the salon, they can see everyone that's affiliated with the salon. Right. Okay. But cool. At Salonkin, we're super lucky. We actually have someone that is fully dedicated to our socials and marketing, Katie. And she's so handy. She helps us set up our pages and just make sure that we keep in line with our philosophy, I guess. That everyone says it's so big. What you post is what you receive. So you need to be putting out there what you want in your chair. I think it's so important. And I okay. also think it's important 
to draw the line? Are you is your page out there for the non hairdressing community, like clients? Are you attracting people that you want to come to your business? Are you attracting people that you want to buy your product? Or is your profile more education based? And I think it's really important to distinguish between the two. Yeah. Are you are you still in your apprenticeship or have you finished it now? I finished a year ago. Right. Okay. And so, so is, is uh, Instagram where you get most of your clients from? Um, I would say so, yeah. Yeah, I'd say we gain a lot of clients from Instagram. Right. You personally in the salon or the salon in general? Both. Yeah, definitely both. Yeah. And, and what about other platforms? Facebook, TikTok? Do you use anything else? Um, Facebook. We have a Facebook page. We find we don't get as much engagement through Facebook. Um, yeah. TikTok, I haven't jumped onto. I know a lot of people that are loving it and find it really good, but I just find Instagram is the best for the connection. You'd be shocked yeah. by posting a little bit, not only about hair, but about yourself, how comforting it is for clients. And I often have clients messaging me, like, for example, I was on holiday a few weeks ago meeting my new niece. And I probably had 10 or 15 clients message me and said, oh, how was your holiday? How was your niece? You know, like I think they connect with you that little bit more over Instagram. You feel like a friend, not just someone that does their hair, which is really important. Yeah. How, how much time do you spend on it every day, Instagram? It would, hard, it would be hard to put um, a number to it, but I'm definitely, I definitely would spend at least 20 to 30 minutes on my business Instagram every day. That's a minimum. Yeah. So whether I'm just scrolling through and interacting with clients, other salons, whether I'm posting, um, doing tutorials and uploading for my clients, yeah, definitely a minimum of 30 minutes every day, I would say. Right. Okay. And um, is it is it clients that you, I mean, I had a look through your Instagram before we got on the call. Uh, is it is it clients that you're, um, you know, featuring on Instagram, like all the hair images, or is it models that you're doing after hours to put up there? No, I would say a good, like, 95% of my Instagram are all my clients. So it's all right. real hair. It's all stuff that's done in the salon, you know, people that – are just living their daily lives. It's not all these models and, you know, people that are just having their hair done for the photo. It's real life. It's real people. Yeah. And and how do you approach that with someone? So you've got a new client in your chair and they've come in, you've walked up to them to do a consultation. You haven't done their hair before. And, you know, maybe you do the consultation. You think this is going to be great. I need to do it before and after. Um, what, what, what do you say to them? Is that a challenging thing to do or not? No, I, I definitely don't think it is. I think it's something that a lot of people expect. I always ask before I take a before photo, you know, and there is those few people that might not want to share what their hair looked like before, especially if it's been a little while since they've had it done or things like that. Um, so definitely always asking. It's super important. But what I find is once you've finished everyone's hair and you've styled it, every, like everyone feels at their best when their hair's done, right? So there's yeah. never much hesitation for the photo. Okay. And do you have a dedicated area in the salon that you use for it? Yeah, we do. So we um, 
consistency on our Instagram feed is super important. So we have a grey wall outside that we shoot most of our images on and then depending on light time, lighting, because it's obviously outside, it sometimes can be a bit dark, a bit too bright. Um, we also sometimes will shoot inside the salon doors, um, but the main thing is that it's very consistent. So you should be able to look at an image and know that it's an image from me or an image from Salon Kim. So it's very important for it to be consistent. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. And uh, it's all Instagram, like you say, Facebook, you don't get the interaction. Is that, is that like as a young, as a 20-year-old, when I even mention the word Facebook, do you sort of think, oh, my God, that's what my mum and dad use or, or my grandparents even use? Uh, it, it, like, like, what's your take on that? Is it just not relevant to the, you know, the target market and the clientele that you want to get in your chair? Or, or is it like, what's your reasoning behind it? Yeah, I, I definitely have Facebook, but I find that it's so clogged. Like, I could go on there and scroll for five minutes and half the things I see aren't people I'm friends with. Uh, ads are just random videos. It's so just clogged up with things that you end up just scrolling through it and you don't take everything in. Whereas I find with Instagram, when I go on there, I'm seeing people that I follow. I'm seeing people that I know. I'm seeing content that I actually want to view. And I'm more likely to, you know, swipe up and reply to someone's Instagram story or comment on someone's photo or like it on Instagram because, again, it's what I want to be seeing. It's not random videos and everything like that. Yeah, okay. Um, if, if you were a salon owner listening to this and you were, you know, a typical salon owner, I don't know, in their late 30s, 40s, whatever it is, um, and they were listening to this and they were feeling a bit despondent about their team and how to motivate people, how to inspire people, all that sort of thing, what would you say the – the top sort of three things are to, you know, to build a, 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 a nurture, a young team of people and keep them inspired and keep them motivated and keep them growing. Top three things. First, mm. I would 100% say the team. I think that is the utmost important thing when it comes to a salon. You could be doing the best hair and be the best hairdresser on the block. But if you're coming to work and working with a team that, is either really catty, they don't get along, there's drama, no one's going to enjoy coming to work. And you spend so much time of your of your life at work, you need to enjoy the people, enjoy the time with the people you spend it with. I think that's so important. Okay, so really establishing a culture, a team culture. Yeah, really definitely. That everyone gets on and, yeah, connects. Yeah. I like okay. when I go on holidays, I love coming back to work and seeing all the girls and the guys because I just feel like they're my friends that I've missed for two weeks, you know? So yeah. I always know that even if I have a really tough day at work with clients, I'm going to have the best day because I get to spend it with people that I really enjoy. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, where, where do you see yourself in, you know, five years? Well, it's a bit of a tricky one, especially with these times. I don't think anyone really knows what the future holds, but I ideally would like to see myself doing a bit of traveling, a bit of freelance work, working on photo shoots, um, sharing my time between fun, exciting things like that and my time between being on the salon floor and servicing clients. 
Yeah. What What would make you leave where you are? I mean, I know you're in a very good salon. I know there's a great culture there and, you know, great leadership, et cetera, et cetera. But, but what would, you know, make you sort of hanker for something different? Yeah. So technically, I guess you could say at the moment I am leaving. My boss is opening a new salon in a town about an hour away that's near okay. the beach. Yeah. And I had wanted to relocate to the beach for quite some time, both me and my partner. And I just couldn't do it because I couldn't leave the salon where I was at. I enjoyed it too much and I just knew I wouldn't find something like it. So when she brought it to me that there was a possibility of a new salon in a new location but ran by the same owner, I jumped on it. So what it would take for me to leave, it would have to be something big, you know, to be able to leave the culture and the environment that my boss has set. It would yeah. take a lot. Okay. Yeah, all right. Um, just talk a little bit about different sort of business models. And I know that in Australia there is predominantly an employee-employer business model. There is not that much um what they call in America booth rental or rent a chair. And there is not that yeah. much sort of salon suite or independent contractors. I, I know that they do exist, but they're not, um, you know, that prevalent, so to speak. Um, yeah. How does, how does that sort of thing feel to you as a young person? Is that something to, you, that you look at and think, oh, I'd love to be a booth renter or rent a chair, or I'd love to have my own salon suite and work by myself? Are they, are they scenarios that you can see the industry and or yourself gravitating towards? Um, for me personally, no. I love the idea of going to work in a space and leaving and knowing that when you're there, you can give 100%, but when you leave, you don't have to work. You have that work-life balance. I love the idea of that, and I love working with a team. So I could never go on my own um, with no team. I think it's so important to have other people to bounce off and other creatives to work with. So, no, it's definitely not a route I would ever head into. Yeah. Is it, is it something that is gaining traction among, you know, people of your um, age group demographic, looking at different, different ways of working so that there's more independence? I mean, it's one of the things that people, you know, will constantly be saying. It's, it's not just about making more money, but it's about having more control and more independence. Is that something that you think would sort of ring true with your generation or are you sort of saying, no, not necessarily? You know, I think that education and culture and training and being part of a team is more important. Yeah, no, I definitely think it is taking off a little bit more. People definitely do like the idea of being able to do their own thing and work on their own terms. Um, It's definitely, yeah, definitely a thing. Okay, cool. All right. Um, Anything else you'd like to add? It's been been really interesting talking to you. It's, um, you know, it's like different generations. I mean, I started hairdressing a long time before you were born, unfortunately, Uh, (laughs) but but it is the reality. And Mm -hmm. I am always, you know, fascinated with what makes different generations tick. 
And I'm not always a great believer in when people say, you know, this generation are like this and then other generations are like that. I, I, I always sort of position it more as people are more like that today. In other words, you know, people today, not necessarily young people, but people today are you know, uh, are more likely to want instant gratification, that people today are less likely to be loyal and stable. Um, what, what, what are your thoughts about that? Do you, do you think it's a generational thing or do you think it is, you know, it's just the world that we live in now? Yeah, I agree. I definitely think it's not a generational thing. I think it's a, the world's changing thing. And as a millennial, we definitely do cop it as, you know, we've been nicknamed the lazy generation, all those types of things. We don't have a good work ethic. Um, and I find it quite harsh when I think it's just the world is changing at such a rapid rate that, of course, the way things are are different. And I just wonder the standard that when people say we're a lazier generation or we have less of a work ethic, in comparison to what, you know, like 40 years ago, you may have had to work so much harder to get the result that we get today. So I don't think it's necessarily that we work less, but more so just the fact that we work smarter, not harder in a way. And things are so much more accessible to us. We have so much more, even little things, like once upon a time, you couldn't go on your phone and have food delivered to your door in 10 minutes. So I don't necessarily think, yeah, that it is just our generation. I think the world is just changing at such a rapid rate that, of course, things are going to be done differently. Yeah. And, well, yeah, you, you can't you, compare that. Yeah. You, you went through an apprenticeship, which was, what, four years or three years? Um, so it was 18 months at my like, of, of schooling and then yeah. three years of an apprenticeship. So I worked full time for three years and one day yeah. a week I did my schooling at a school. Right. Okay. And do you think that's too long? No, definitely mm. not. No. I, to be honest, when you come, so in Australia here, we do what's called an apprenticeship. So we spend, like I said, the 18 months at school, which is referred to as TAFE. And then mm. you spend the three years on the floor learning everything salon wise and you take what you learn from school and you sharpen your tools and you get better at it at the salon floor. And I, when I came out of my apprenticeship, I don't think I was, I wasn't ready to just go out and be a hairdresser. I still had so much more to learn. So no, I definitely don't think it should be any shorter. Um, yeah, there's so much more to learn even once you are technically qualified. Yeah, definitely. Okay. All right. Well, listen, Scarlett, we need to um, wrap up. You, you gave your um, Instagram handle before. Uh, can you just say what it is again? I'll put it in the show notes so that people can check out what you do. I think you've got some great work on your Instagram feed, and I'm sure different listeners would be intrigued to, uh, to you know, put a face to the young lady that they're listening to. So it's at Scarlett, and that's S-C-A-R-L-E-T-T, yeah? Yeah, so Scarlet Rose dot yeah. Salon Kin, S A L O N K double I N. K double I N, right, okay. Yeah. All right, well, um, 
can I just jump in here and leave a little message? If you're enjoying this um, podcast with uh, Scarlet Rose, um, then please feel free to take a screenshot of it and post it to your Instagram stories and uh, let us have any feedback that you'd like to. So, Scarlet Rose, thank you very much for spending the last uh, 30 minutes or so with us. Um, it's really appreciated. And uh, you've got a, a wise head on some young shoulders there. So, thank you for your input today on the Grow More Salon Business Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. So my second guest for today is Ariel Harris from a Robert Chromian Salon in San Diego, California. So welcome to the show, Ariel. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here today. Well, I'm really excited to have you on the show. I've heard lots of good things about you, so it's great to have this opportunity to have a proper conversation and and dig in a little bit. So um, I start every podcast with the same question, and I say to people, let's start with an overview of your background. Um, who is Ariel Harris? So uh, give us your, your two-minute backstory, and uh, then we'll dig into it a little bit more, and I'll um, ask you some, some more questions. I am 29 years old. I'm a little late to the game with hairdressing. I made some career changes and went to school when I was 27 years old. So I feel like I'm, I'm happy I did that. I have a little bit more life experience starting this career. Okay. Um, well, let, let me dig into that. I want to ask you some questions about that. Uh, yeah. Late starter, you know, um, starting at 27. What were you doing before that? So I was in Los Angeles at a university. My major was ecology and evolutionary biology. Um, I wanted to travel the world. I wanted to focus on conservation of endangered species. I wanted to make a difference, make an impact on our environment. Um, You know, life kind of happens. So that didn't plan out. But I decided to switch gears and from there go to beauty school and do hair. And it's, I I love that I still have this background of biology, chemistry, calculus, all of these things that I can carry into hairdressing because I can explain to somebody I'm using heat on your lightener because it's an exothermic reaction and we need to speed up that reaction and heat will, you know, there, there's chemicals going on and there's reactions happening. And I can, I understand it because I've already been playing around with chemicals for the last few years. So I didn't think that I would love it because in my mind, I wanted a career that was made me feel important. I wanted a mm-hmm. career that made me feel like I was making a difference. And I never expected to get that out of hairdressing. I never expected, I never would have been able to foresee how much I would totally love this career and feel completely fulfilled every single day. I go to work excited. I don't feel like it's work. I leave feeling like just amazing that I made somebody's day. I made them feel good. And I, I feel very important. And I feel Mm. like I'm making a difference. And I also, on top of that, get to work for a company, um, Paul Mitchell, who doesn't test on animals, who has the vegan products. And, you know, they are working towards being super financial, like environmentally, you know, making the right steps. And so I have that also. 
for young people today, so you're representative of young people today getting into this industry, how much do you think that that impacts on them? And I don't just mean with the manufacturers, I mean with the salons that they work in. How much of the decisions as to where they work and, and uh, um you know, what manufacturers, what salons they'll align themselves with is based on the values of that company, meaning they're environmentally friendly, they don't test on animals, you know, they contribute back to the community in a in a broader sense, et cetera. Um, t- talk to us um, about that. Yeah, I think that's very huge. And I think that, you know, people my age and especially younger are so awake to the realities of of what we're doing to this earth you know that you the oceans are trashed the forests are declining all of these things that you know it's not going to be your problem but it's going to be my problem it's going to be my like generations it's going to be their problem so we have to do what we can at this point to decline that devastation um it's very important for me to feel like I'm, you know, recycling every day and doing everything that I can for the environment and, and, you know, preserving this beautiful world that we live in. So I feel like if I went for a company that, you know, didn't have those values, it would be difficult for me to work with them because on top of this product, making your hair smell good and feel good, it's also, you know, the hairspray is not emitting the you know, chemical that's destroying the ozone layer, you're, you're doing right by the world by using it. And you're also doing right by your hair. <laughs> what, what are you looking for in a hairdressing career? Oh my God. I, it's so early to say people ask me all the time, like, what do you specialize in? And I'm like, I don't know. I just, I love cutting hair. I love coloring hair. Um, of course, I'd love to be really good at one thing but I don't want to hold myself back from something else that I could be potentially really good at. So right now I'm just diving into everything. I feel like I'm at the point of my career where I'm a sponge. Like I'm just trying to absorb, absorb, absorb knowledge and um, experience. And, you know, I'm just trying to get everything under my belt, but, the great thing about the salon that I work in, there is a lot of structure. So I see the next step. You know, I was an assistant for about a year and then I'm, I'm in my next step and we have different pricing elements. I'm at the bottom of the food chain right now, but I see where I'm going next, which is really great because I'm like, you know, I'm just, I want to keep climbing. Long term, it's kind of incredible what this industry can offer because um, if I don't want to do hair, I don't have to. And I could still stay in this industry and still like I could climb the corporate ladder if I wanted to. I could become an educator, which I'm very interested in. Um, you know, there's a lot of different outlets, a lot of different avenues. It's not like I don't have to just go to work and do hair every day, which is amazing, which I love doing hair, but Mm. I just, I see all of the possibilities and I'm very excited about it, but I have no idea where I want to go. I think my next steps are just, um, now it's just raising my prices and making more money, um, are my next steps, but I definitely, 
um, would love to become an educator, would love to travel, maybe like, you know, I love the business side of it too, and help other people with that. So there's just so many possibilities. Okay. How important is it for you to work in a salon that offers uh, lots of training and opportunities? Um, Insanely important. Um, This Mm. industry is very, um, is always changing. Like, you know, what looked good last year doesn't look good this year. People are always like trying to be innovative. So as far as like in salon education has to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I love sitting down with Robert and especially Mary Chromians and just like, I just need to pick your brain. Um, and I need you to give me some feedback of how I've been doing for me. That's huge. And I take the time to just sit them down. Like, what, what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? How can I improve? Um, I love having a mentor. I love having people to look up to. Uh, Stephanie Kachowski is another one of my lovely mentors that is um, in the Paul Mitchell world. And she works in the salon about once a month. And every time I see her, I'm just like, tell me more, like what information? Cause there's just all these little things that you need to know mm. that you just can't learn overnight. And I am constantly learning new things and I constantly want to keep learning. New things. Yeah. So uh, as a, as a generalization, as a sort of spokesperson for your generation out there in salon land, would salons that didn't offer education um, not be able to hang on to people. As I suppose what I'm saying is what would make you leave where you're working? Yeah. I mean, if they did not offer, I'm the type of person that I'm going to, I'm going to go get it anyways. I'm going to find it on my own. However, um, the salon owners definitely 100% need to offer education. I think the minimum is, three times a year, which is still very like lacking. I would say once a month you need to, yeah, yeah, at least. and yeah. it doesn't have to be a technique. It can be like a business. You can sit down with a pen and paper mm. like, or let's look at our Instagram pages and how can we improve this? Because I feel like a lot of, um, a lot of the time that's not being addressed when that's probably the first thing that needs to be addressed is social media. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say to you. How do you, how do you like to learn and take in information? Is it, is it, do you, do you like going to trade shows? Okay. You can't go to trade shows at the moment. Um, but, but do you, um, as a, as a, again, as a generalization, the young people today, um, like if you'd asked me this when I was your age, I would have said magazines. Oh my God, I love magazines, flicking through magazines, looking at step by steps. I mean, a lot of your generation don't even look at magazines anymore. You know, they yeah. are they're more interested in social media for their their fix and their education and and the ability to be able to participate in it. So is is most of your um, information and education that you're absorbing coming through online stuff or through printed or, or what sort of mix is there? Yeah, I would say 95% is um, online. It's all um, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. And I mean, Instagram is perfect for, I mean, we just call it hair porn. It's just, you don't even have to say anything. Just have a video of a toner on somebody's hair and it's like, the light setting and, and it's glossy and I'll just like stare at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not a, like the best form of like 
educating. Um, I, I would love hands-on, you know, in the salon one-on-one is where I really thrive, but I would say 95% of what I actually get is online. Right. Do, Do you look at magazines at all? No. <laughs> sure. no. Right. So magazines like I, American I, Salon, I, Modern Salon, whatever. You just literally yeah. look at it. Whereas 20 yeah. years ago, you know, staff would, would just be hanging out for the latest one of those to fall on their desk. Yeah. So I had somebody ask stuff me. Online. Yeah. yeah. I had somebody ask me in the salon if we had, um, if we had a book of haircuts for them. And I said, oh, honey, <laughs> no. <laughs> I remember seeing when I was like a child going into you like you pick a haircut out of a book but it's it does not work that way um so and honestly if I'm sitting down with my phone in my hand or a magazine next to me I'm not going to pick up the magazine I'm going to look at what's on my phone um and I feel like yeah the the age of printed media is sorry (laughs) it's dying (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. I totally agree. I wouldn't want to own a magazine at the moment uh, unless you'd morphed into an online version of it, you know, as as well yeah. as or instead of. Um, what, what about um, for someone like yourself, how important are things like hairdressing awards and getting work published in magazines, et cetera? See, again, if, if I go back to when I was your age, it was the ultimate goal to get work published in a magazine. And it was the ultimate yeah. goal to, you know, to go to hairdressing awards and to win something at, at an awards thing. Whereas I get the feeling that these days people are more interested in how many likes they've got and how many followers they've got. And, you know, that, that is their award. That is their acknowledgement. That is their recognition. They're not so, you know, uh, vested in getting recognition from, you know, magazines, etc. So talk to us about that. Yeah, I mean, I think those things are still important. Um, it's definitely just a boost of confidence. It's a validation of the, the work that you put into it. Um, so I think, yes, that is still important. Um, probably not as important. There's other ways that you can feel like you're the best in the industry. Like, yeah, if you have a lot of followers, if you have a lot of likes, that's going to be validation right there as well. Um, but I feel like a lot of these people who are getting these awards from, um, the award shows that I've kind of seen online, the ones who have, like, it is like a very social media direct. You're, if you have the best social media, you're getting some sort of award. For that. Uh, you're getting some sort of recognition for that. Maybe it's just cause I follow these people. So I see it. I'm sure there's other, um, great hairstylists out there still getting awards, but you're not on social media, nobody's going to know about it. <laughs> sure. Okay. What, what, what motivates you as a young hairdresser? I feel like I just, I'm a person who's very hungry because my food is expensive. I want to just keep climbing. I don't want to feel like stagnant ever. So um, this is just a really great industry for me to keep pursuing, to keep working towards something. Um, so I think that's a big motivation for me to just feel like I'm not just going to work every day and coming home. I'm working towards something bigger. Um, so that's a huge motivator for me. Um, if, if you had your own salon, 
or if you were talking to someone who had a salon with you know 10 staff or something in it and they said to you what are the top three things i should be doing to motivate my team to make them more productive to make them more loyal what would you say those three things would be i would say like giving recognition where it's deserved is huge I mean, if, if you're feeling like you're doing something at work and you're not being recognized, it's difficult. So, um, you know, giving the props also the same thing as, you know, kicking people in the butt, putting a fire under them when they need it. Um, I respect an owner who does the work, um, that doesn't, um, you know, just tell everybody what to do, but leads by example. Um, for instance, I work with Robert Chromians on occasion and he's in the galley doing dishes. <laughs> he's taking out the trash and I'm just like, slow down. Like, let me do it. It's fine. But it's, I just respect the crap out of him for, for the little things that he does. He's not expecting people to run around and work for him. He's, we're a team, we're all working together, and he's part of that team. Mm-hmm. Uh, how important is it for you? How do you use social media professionally? Okay, so social media is very, like, it's a beast. Um, the way I have it broken down is also Instagram is year 35 and under um, target market. Facebook is... Mm-hmm. Older, so I have like three posts on Facebook, and I never get any engagement, and I'm not looking for that type of clientele. So Instagram for me is my number one, um, and it is emotionally exhausting <laughs> to put so much into social media and mm. and not get too much back. But you just got to keep pushing. Um, there are so many times where I'm just like, I know I'm like telling myself in my mind, like I need to be more engaging. I need to post, I need to be relevant because I'm just going to get lost if I don't keep posting and very, like just look at my phone. Like I can't today. I can't today. How much time would you spend on it every day? Well, if I'm doing, if I'm just focused on my business and doing it right, it doesn't take that much time. The problem is mm. I just get lost in all everything else that's on there and I forget what I'm doing. But um, I would say it takes like 15, 20 minutes. You got to write a good engaging bio that's going to, you know, that people are going to want to read. You got to post something that's like, I mean, I definitely get more engagement when I post personal pictures or this is what I'm doing here or there. So you have to have a mixture of like, look, I can do great hair. And I also have a really fun personality. You want to come get your hair done by me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, um, which I've been trying to get more into is that's just passive marketing, right? You're just posting hashtags and you're hoping people find you. Well, you need to search your local hashtag. So I need to search like San Diego nightlife and these girls are at a club and they look great. And I'm like texting or sending an, a message on there saying like, Oh my God, your hair is so pretty. Or where did you get those shoes? And blah, blah, blah. You have to be commenting on other things that are happening out close to you so that people are like, who is this? Click on it. Oh, she does hair. Um, so there's just a lot of like digging that you need to do with your local uh, social media. You can't just post and hope that people see it. You gotta, you gotta get out there. Mm-hmm. Um, which is sometimes kind of scary to put yourself out there. I don't know why it's 
especially for me, I feel like I can speak in front of people just fine, but filming myself and trying to post a picture or video of me doing my own hair. I just like, I can see it. My face gets all red. I get so embarrassed. (laughs) So it's just one of those things I get so camera shy and I just need to tell myself to knock it off and stop holding myself back. And what am I so afraid of? But putting yourself out there on social media is just as scary as putting yourself out there in the world face to face. Yeah. Yeah. And you do, you focus on Instagram because Mm -hmm. your target market for you is under 35 and over 35 is you sort of see that's more the Facebook uh, crowd and that's not the target market you want. Or do you just find that Facebook is not the right medium for you for hair? Yeah, maybe it's not the right medium. It's because Instagram is a little easier because it's not so much of your own personal information. So it's easy to follow, unfollow, or like people that you don't know, people that are um, just... You have so many followers on Instagram, Mm -hmm. whereas on Facebook, like the Facebook friends that I have are only people that I personally know. So it's difficult for me to have like a broader Facebook base i mean maybe i just haven't totally cracked that code yet um i need to do some more playing around with it it, i always say to people you got to go where your target market is if your target market is female under the age of 35 then you're on the right uh platform um you know generally speaking facebook is is an older target market do you use tiktok at all i haven't gotten into tiktok no um i was actually just thinking about that because TikTok in my mind is like it's just a bunch of silly videos. There's yeah. not really um a chance for me to like promote or sell. But that's just me thinking that I'm sure there's plenty of opportunity for me to promote and sell sure. myself on TikTok. I just yeah. need to get into it. <laughs> I just haven't yeah, well, yet. Well interestingly I was talking to someone from China the other day in China and the TikTok platform in China has evolved quite a lot more, Um, you know, like you can put one hour content on there, you know, like full seminars, et cetera, on there. Um, I I know we need to start uh, uh, wrapping up, but I wanted to ask you about um, uh, where do you see yourself in in five years' time? Oh, my goodness. Um, I see you calling me for a second podcast because I'm doing something amazing <laughs> in the industry and I'm like changing people's lives and you're going to say, welcome back to my podcast. Um, I don't know. I, there's, there's a lot for me to do, but I definitely want to be, I want to be somebody. I want to make a difference. I want to, I want people to know my name the way they know Robert Chromian's name. Do you want your own salon at all? Is that ever something on the, horizon or is that not necessarily the path that you'd want to follow not necessarily um i'm not against it i also don't know if i like the idea of um like telling people what to do not in the sense of i don't know if i want to be a boss per se Mm -hmm. like i want to be what i want people to look up to me and i want to be like you know motivating other people but i don't want somebody to call me and be like 
I'm not feeling good today. I can't show up to work. And then I have to figure out what, <laughs> you know, what to do with their clients. I, like, it just sounds exhausting. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, it is from memory. <laughs> I, it sounds exhausting to try to like wrangle a bunch of hairstylists who are, you know, so like artistic but insecure at the same time so they constantly need their egos fed and i i love hairstylists but i we're all crazy and um you know we have fun together but just like i need to step back from hairstylists sometimes because we're just all in, in our own heads too much yeah yeah where, where would you imagine what do you imagine that the hairdressing industry might look like in the future in five or ten years time do you have any thoughts Ooh. on that? I definitely think that we need to step it up with like a little bit more luxury. I mean, there are plenty of luxury salons out there, but we need to, um, we just need to start upping our game a little bit more. Can we offer as far as like hair extensions are already huge. They're going to blow up even more. Um, I see wigs becoming huge um, because, you Absolutely. know, 20 years ago it was like silly to wear a wig, but now it's, becoming more popular. Yeah. I was thinking more from the business perspective. Okay. I think salons would be bigger or smaller. Do you think there'd be more salon suites, more independence, or do you see it going back to more bigger salons? What what do you what do you feel you want as a as yeah. a young person? I feel like from the from the um, stylist perspective, a lot of stylists like the suites. They like the, you know, person like just I work for myself I do my own thing I'm one-on-one with my client from a client's perspective the bigger the better they love coming into a busy salon they love seeing a Mm. bunch of people around them and it's like what are they doing to their hair over there like Mm. we work at a big salon and it's beautiful and I love it and we're always you know we just got the techno music blasting and the hair dryers going and we're just it's busy and it's hustle and bustle and the soul and the Clients love that. They love that environment. They love the the excitement of it. But then we also take you into our wash house where it's all candlelit, dark spa music. So you get a little bit of like sensual, relaxed time as well. Um, and I think that more salon owners need to get bigger. They need more stylists. They need more, you know, camaraderie and not competition between the stylists. Um, because that's what the clients like. Sure. Okay. All right. Well, look, unfortunately, we need to uh, wrap up. I've gone way over my time. I said I'd do right. anyway. <laughs> um, but okay. So, Errol, wh- whereabouts can people uh, connect with you on Instagram or any other social channels? Yeah. So, my at on Instagram is Ariel's hair, but there's a period in there. It's A R I E L S, period hair. Um, my, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to explain to the entire planet who is an American what you mean when you say period, because uh, oh. <laughs> what that means, what, what the rest of us call it, is a full stop. We call what it the heck stop. is that? <laughs> it's a full stop. It's a period. It's a dot. It's the same thing. You're okay, going to have to Ariel, trust me on that. <laughs> Ariel's dot hair. Is that better? <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. Okay. And I know you've gone and developed your own website as well. What's the I have, uh, URL so, for that? We are at www.arieldoeshair.com. Okay. 
And you put and that together for yourself. I did that myself. And I will tell you that website owns a piece of my soul. <laughs> um, I would like to have found out more about your website because uh, I'm intrigued. Uh, someone who's been in the industry for two years goes and puts their own website out there together. Mm -hmm. But that's all part of this whole digital mindset of treating yeah. yourself as a brand and, and marketing yourself and getting out there and doing it yourself. And I know that you have, in a very short space of time, become a very uh, successful stylist. So, uh, um, you know, thank you for taking the time to be with us on the show today. Uh, so I will put those links in the show notes uh, for today's podcast. Um, if you're listening to this podcast with Ariel, have enjoyed it, then please do me a favor, take a screenshot on your phone and share it with your Instagram stories. So uh, to wrap up, Ariel, thank you very much for being on this episode of the Grow My Salon Business Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you'll find us at growmysalonbusiness.com or on Facebook and Instagram at growmysalonbusiness. And if you enjoyed tuning into our podcast, make sure that you subscribe, like, and share it with your friends. Until next time, this is Anthony Whitaker wishing you continued success.